Welcome back to Soldier Dog. Chapter 4, 21st August, 1917, Lancashire. Outside all was gray midsummer mizzle, but Trumpet's box was golden and warm. Stanley was filling some hessian sacks he'd taken from the potato shed with straw to make the puppy's bedding plusher. Trumpet was harumphing and tossing his head, displeased at so much commotion in his box. Stanley watched entranced as soldiers skittered about, raising dust that glittered like confetti. Soldier fainted a crouch, sprang away, then crouched again, inviting Stanley to play. Rocket unraveled herself, legs stacked just so, a reclining empress surveying her mischievous troops with amused tolerance. Stanley stuffed a final handful of straw into the last sack. Tom said he slept on a palaise that the army gave one to each man, and soldier, too, would have a palaise. Stanley pulled the string tight and knotted it, watching as a pup jumped up at Trumpet's feathered forelegs. Six weeks old today and you'll have rabbit for lunch, your first rabbit meat. Stanley stood and turned to Trumpet and blew into his large nostrils. Trumpet held his great head still. He liked it when Stanley did that. Stanley turned and unlatched the door of the box to fetch some water. His step faltered as he found himself face to face with Dad. Put the oars in the harness. Dad's voice was a guillotine. Soldier grew tremulous and cowered. Wary, watching Dad, Stanley fetched the harness. Why wasn't Dad in his Sunday best? Weren't they going to go to church? Eyes still on his Dad, Stanley fitted the harness. It's to Bertie Brow and the Tinkers will be going the day with your half-breeds. Stanley clenched his fists, flint flashing in his eyes. No, no. You'll do as I'm telling you, you dolt. And stop your gabbing and sputtering. The tinkers will take them, and then they can take them for naught if there's not a word said. I'll have no gypsy dogs in our house. Motionless with rage, frustration, and fear, Stanley's unformed words dried in his throat. One hundred hounds shot last week. Hounds with thoroughbred in their veins. A fifty percent reduction. I fifty percent in the numbers of hunting dogs. It's what's ordered. Breaking men's hearts as if tended and fed those purebred packs. Built them up over generations and bang. Horse meat for France. And you're thinking to keep mangy, good-for-nothing half-breeds when thoroughbreds are being shot? Stanley looked at the pups, saw in a sickening rush how small they were, only two handspans high, too, too early to take them from their mother. Dad stepped forward and raised his arm. I'll clout you. Stanley turned away, his heart pounding, flashes of anger breaking over him in waves of molten lava. He had no choice. If the pups went to the gypsies, they would, at least be safe. They wouldn't be drowned. He'd lose soldier. But this would be the last time he'd obey Dad. Ever.
if Soldier was giving away, if they were all given away, then Stanley would leave home. Pulling his cap over his eyes, Stanley backed Trumpet up into the trap and spread some matting down. He lifted a pup and placed it in the trap. Rocket circled, nose raised. Avoiding Rocket's eyes, Stanley gathered socks and biscuit, so small he could hold them both with one arm. Only soldier still to find, there he was, beneath Rocket, tugging at her, struggling to keep up as she paced to and fro, her searching head straining at the trap. Stanley would have to pull soldier apart from Rocket, to pull the son from the mother. Stanley bit his lip, braced himself, and knelt. Rocket placed her nose on his lap, her trusting eyes searching his face. Stanley looked away as he tugged Soldier, feeling the resistance as the pup pulled at the teat. He held Soldier's plush puppy coat to his cheek, smelling his milkiness, remembering the horror of losing a mother. I won't let them take you. I'll find a way, he whispered. Turning and rising, he fumbled his way back of the trap. The trap joggled over the yard towards the arch. Stanley gasped. There was Rocket, trotting along besides them, questing snout reaching upward. Stanley winced. He should have locked her up, hadn't been thinking straight. Of course she'd follow her pups. Dad turned trumpet to the left. He was taking the drive that curved across the park the drive the Chorleys called Park Drive. Still, Rocket kept pace with the trap. At an airy trot, her feather-light paws barely disturbing the glaze of drizzle on the ground. Stanley lifted his hand to her in a motion to say, hissing, Go back! Go back! Trumpet lumbered onward, and still, Rocket followed. Go back, girl! hissed Stanley again. They'd left the park and were almost at the new lake. Desperate now, Stanley stood and motioned again. Go back, Rocket, go back. Dad's head turned. He saw Rocket. Home, go home, girl, he yelled. Rocket stopped. Get away, back, go back, girl. Dad whipped the old horse onward. Rocket cringed and recoiled two reluctant paces. There was a crack as Daz whip lashed Trumpet's rump with shocking violence. The trap gathered speed, but there was Rocket again alongside, effortless and gossamer and lovely. Dad lashed the ground inches from her nose. Rocket flinched, then followed, now at a hesitant, bewildered trot, tortured between her instinct for obedience and her anguish for her brood. Dad turned to Stanley. Are you still gawping? I'll clout you too. The puppies skidded across the trap, drawn ever away from their mother by Trumpet's awkward, uneven canter. Dad jerked his arm up as though to hurl a stone. Rocket recoiled, quivering. She stayed there, one foreleg lifted and poised. There, by the edge of the lake, in the unnatural, deathless shade of the spruce, she stayed and raised her nose to the gray sky and howled. Trumpet labored up between the dry stone walls of Birdie Brow, 
Then down between the humps of gorse, where the ground was harder, the windswept thorns twisted and tortured. They reached a simple stone bridge and joined a straight, Roman sort of track, known as the Ribbleway, running through tussocky grassland. Ahead lay the Boland Hills. Boulders dotted the treeless bog, the colors of the shrub heath muted by the veil of mizzle. Above, outraged clouds scurried across the enormous sky. The road began to climb. This was a long way for an old horse. Stanley strained to see through the mist and the drizzle. Something was going on ahead. It was difficult to see what. They drew closer. Some sort of gathering. Dab pulled up on a saddle of land that had been concealed as they climbed from below. Several other traps stood about. Ponies were tethered close by. Rough-looking men milled around holding large dogs on short ropes. Each dog had a form similar to rockets, but with a different coat and marking. All greyhound crosses. Lurchers. Some men sat on straw bales, smoking pipes and watching. Others stood shouting and arguing around a roped enclosure with a loudspeaker and a hard board painted white with numbers on it. Dad dismounted, leaned over the trap and hissed, criminal dogs and criminal men. He gestured to the huddle of men around the whiteboard. Respectable men are at church on Sunday while the tinkers and the poachers are out and about with their thieving dogs. Apart from the gathering and away from the loudspeaker sat the man Dad had come to see. Stanley knew him by sight, a large, handsome man Darkie Lee was a figure of local legend, said to be able to take a hair in its form with his bare hands. Keep your mouth shut, Dad growled as they picked their way closer. Lee wore a black felt hat and woolen tunic with the sleeves pushed up. His eyes were trained on some bacon on a neat kindling fire. Around him, a herd of barefoot children ran pell-mell. To his left, sat an iron-gray, one-eyed, wolf-like dog. Something nasty had happened to that missing eye. A tear on barbed wire, perhaps. Lee raised his cap, but not his head, nor his eyes. Dad squatted on the near side of the fire to talk to Lee. The dog growled. That growl was a warning of his loyalty to Lee. It growled again. The dog couldn't see Dad's eyes because of his cap, and dogs, Stanley knew, liked to see a man's eyes. He stepped forward and lifted Dad's cap off. Dad gave an irritated shrug. Holding the cap, Stanley stepped back. That's right, Lee said. A good dog's always suspicious of a hat if he doesn't know the man. Beyond Lee, two lurchers, one brindled, one black, were straining at their collars. A team of beaters were driving a wild hare a hundred yards or so ahead of the dogs. The crowd tensed. The springs in the dogs' collars were released. The collars flew open and the dogs sprang forward, the hare zigzagging ahead with breakneck changes of direction. With a sudden spring, the brindled lurcher seized its prey, and in seconds, the race was over, the dog turning and trotting smoothly back, holding his leggy, long-eared prize. 
that dog, thought Stanley. That could be a Laxton dog if its coat were longer. Dad coughed and grunted. Pups. Rockets pups, but rough-coated, some sort of cross. Lee's hawk-like eyes returned to the fire, and he flipped the bacon. He slurped tea from a tin mug, removed the bacon from the fire, emptied his mug, and rose, indicating Dad's trap with the merest inclination of his head. Stanley leaped up and ran to the trap. He must get there first and hide Soldier. He whistled, and Soldier sprang up and scampered over to him. Before Da and Lee reached the trap, the wriggling Soldier was hidden in Stanley's coat. Lee leaned his elbows on the trap and inspected the cargo. Soldier buried his snout in Stanley's armpit, snuffled furiously, then scrabbled to break free. Stanley squeezed him with his arm, willing him to be still. Lee adjusted his hat. You've brought him on good. Nice condition on their coach, shining eyes. Lee's own roving, glittering eyes stopped on Stanley. Their dam ran 21 courses in good company and led in 18 of them, said Da. A longer silence followed. There were the sounds of a fight breaking out somewhere among the straw bales. They're yours if you'll have them, Da said to Lee. He gestured to the pups in the trap, looked mystified for a split second, then glowered and swung around, ripped open Stanley's coat, yanked Soldier out, and hurled him into the trap. Lee moved his head neither to right nor left, but his hooded eyes were hard and penetrating, as they flickered to and fro. Soldier bounded across the trap. Stanley's arms curled around him and Soldier sheltered there. Lee's eyes rested on Soldier. I'll not take the queer one. Not wrong with them, Dad bristled. Not wrong, but they're always softer, the white ones. Aye, and a hair turns from a white dog faster than from any other. Stanley squeezed his arm around the puppy, brimming with hope. He might keep Soldier, might bring a pup back to Rocket. Lee gave a discreet wink at Stanley. More to himself than to anyone else, Dad growled. Stan won twice on the withens. He snatched Trumpet's reins, ready to climb up into the trap. Lee smiled at Stanley, a disarming smile of sporadic cold teeth. Still watching Stanley, he whistled. A fierce, raven-haired girl materialized beside him. Stanley stared at her and at the catapult she held. She stared back, unimpressed. Lee lifted Bentley by the scruff of her neck and held her up. Tom's dog. That was to be Tom's dog. A good rough coat. That'll protect her from the wire on the fences. Dad winced. Lee used dogs for poaching. That was why he liked the rough coats. Hey, and look at her tawny eye. A tawny eye is a sign of a good, hard dog. Lee handed Bentley to the catapult girl. He lifted socks and biscuit. Stanley saw a biscuit's tiny, wet nose, the eyes live with terror, and felt sick. She was so small. There were only six weeks. Aye, six weeks is grand. Stanley looked at the catapult girl. She looked, he thought as though she might stew puppies for dinner. Dad was sitting in the trap, 
glowering into the heather. Hugging soldier, Stanley raised his collar against the sharp wind and climbed up. Lee adjusted his hat, putting an end to the business. Look after them, said Stanley. Lee leaned over the back of the trap. Smiling his white and gold smile, he said, If a dog loves you, he'll do anything for you. Dad cracked the whip. The trap lurched away. Lee adjusted his hat once more and sauntered off, dangling the tiny pups from the scruffs of their necks. Rocket was waiting where Stanley last saw her, ears pinned against her skull, foreleg poised, her pitiful, expressive form reflected in the black lake. Trumpet lumbered on. Rocket sprang forward and tore around the trap in joyful hoops. Holding soldier, Stanley jumped down. He knelt, opened his coat, and watched with prickling eyes as Rocket licked and nosed her son. She grew wary and still, her son trotting ecstatic circles around her, his porridge coat glowing in the deep shade, his tail a circling blur. Rocket paused her licking and nosing, looked up after the trap, sniffed the air, then dropped her tail and began again, wounded and watchful, to caress soldier.